Hi everyone, I want to welcome you to the fifth episode of the Context is Key podcast. I'm speaking to you once again from my office at Shepherd of Baptist Church in Dixon, Missouri, and I want to tell you that I am just so thrilled. I've been so blessed since I've been here in the last two weeks, uh, just in my time of transitioning and in my time of getting settled. I want to tell you I'm so thankful just for the opportunity to open up God's Word today and examine a little bit of the Scripture, and today we're going to be looking at a a Bible verse, once again, that's very familiar, similar to last week. But before we want to do that, I want to talk a little bit about uh, something that I've experienced in my short time of Christianity. When I was transferring from Missouri State University in my sophomore year to uh, Spurgeon College through Midwestern Seminary online in my junior year, I was noticing during a degree program that there was a class called Introduction to Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the class name, and I was very confused about what hermeneutics was, and still a little bit in, that the word is a little bit confusing as far as pronunciation goes, but as I began to take the class, and as I began to look at the class description, the concept of the class was actually quite simple. The word may sound a little fancy and foreign, but hermeneutics is simply the science of scripture interpretation, and uh, I believe the word hermeneutics comes from a Greek word similar to the sound of hermeneutics. I believe it's hermeneua, and I, I think you can find that verb in the Greek whenever uh, Jesus is interpreting Scripture to the people on the road to Emmaus. He begins to interpret the uh, all about himself, beginning with the law and the prophets. So we get this word hermeneutics as a way of interpreting our Scripture. Well, today... I want to be doing that, but as we've already uh, spoke about in the first many episodes, I want to tell you context is very key to our scripture interpreta- interpretation. Excuse me, Context is very, very key to how we interpret the Bible, why we interpret the Bible the way that we do. Many of you have probably been at a Bible study at some point in your life whenever you sit around and you talk about the Bible and that each person goes around in a circle and tells about how this text makes them feel. How does, what does this text mean to you? How does this text mean to me? Well, I really want to emphasize that the text already has a meaning. The text was written to or by authors with an original intent. So our job as the interpreter is not to make the text feel the way that we want it to feel, or to interpret it however we want to interpret it, but rather we want to use this method of hermeneutics, interpreting the scripture the way that the scripture is meant to be interpreted. God has inspired his word. God's word is perfect. So I want to tell you that as we examine the scripture, it's already perfect. We just need to find out what the original intent was by the authors. And then once we find out that, We want to find out how that applies to our lives. So with all that said, the Bible verse that I'm going to be looking at today is a Bible verse that's probably very, very familiar to many people. The the Bible verse that I'm reading is Philippians 4.13. It reads, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Many of your translations say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What an amazing Bible verse. You've probably heard many people quote this as their Bible verse of choice, as one of their favorite verses, or maybe a particular memory verse that many people know off of the top of their head. 
This verse is very, very popular. I know of a particular basketball athlete that uses this uh, Bible verse on his shoes, and uh, I'm not sure if he's completely quit doing that or what, but uh, a three-time NBA champion uses this Bible verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me on the ba- the bottom of his shoes. Well, whenever we do stuff like that, the application to us may be similar, but that was not the original intent of the author. Whenever Paul penned this to the church at Philippi, his intention was not that we would be able to shoot basketballs better than anybody else on the court. The intention was not that we would be able to do whatever we want to do whenever we uh, feel like doing certain things, but nowadays, as people interpret the scriptures however they feel as if to do, we make applications that are so unbiblical that it takes the verse out of context, and this is one of those verses that are commonly taken out of context. And once again, the verse is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to tell you there's probably a thousand more uh, illustrations that you can use to apply how this verse can be taken out of context. And I could probably sit down and think of a lot more ways that this verse is taken out of context. But what I'd like to do is simply read the entirety of the context, hopefully explain what Paul's original intent was as he wrote this, and then make some kind of application of the text to how that pertains to our life in the contemporary audience in the year 2018. And we're in December now, so we're going on the year 2019. Wow, that's such a quick upcoming that we have. But uh, if you have your Bible and if you're opening it as I'm reading through this, I'm going to start in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4, going all the way down to verse 20. Here's what the Bible says. Starting in verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me, You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In anything and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, I want to tell you that this verse is certainly encouraging to me. And as I've been in a time of transitioning from uh, two states away to a new pastor 500 miles away, the context of this passage is certainly encouraging to me. The context of this passage is not talking about shooting a basketball. The context of this passage is not about doing whatever I want to do. But really, if you get down and study it, the context of this passage is about this. Are you ready? Money. Finances. Hello, somebody. This verse is about finances. 
uh, my Bible, the in the English Standard Version, the heading of this is titled God's Provision. So God provides for us by using certain means, and that in this circumstance, he's talking about money. Uh, in the New American Commentary, the heading for this context is Expression of Thanks for the Philippians' Support. So it's talking all about money. And so what I would like to do is talk a little bit about some of these verses and uh, break them down, and then we're going to get to Philippians 4.13 as it comes upon us. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, context is certainly important for how we interpret the scriptures and how we uh, use the science of hermeneutics. But I want to tell you, God has also put in many great resources in front of us, and there's been many gifted Bible scholars throughout time that have studied the Bible on a much deeper level than I will ever be able to, or that probably most of the audience that I'm uh, speaking to will ever be able to. And so I personally am convicted that we should use commentaries to study context, to study what the original intent of the author is. And so as I do that, I, I want to mention that I'm stealing a lot of my points from this podcast from a specific con, uh, commentary, and that commentary is the New American Commentary, volume number 32, uh, an exegetical and theological exposition of Holy Scripture over the book of Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, and that the author of this is Richard Melek. So a lot of this uh, content of mine is not original. I just want to make that very clear. Uh, so the first point that we have here as we look at this context is in chapter, or excuse me, in verse 10, we have appreciation. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. The NIV says no opportunity for it. So Paul is just expressing his appreciation for the financial gift that the Philippians have used to support him. In this time, a financial gift uniquely expressed love. Uh, their, their gift was a cause for joy in the Lord at this, t- in this time. Uh, perhaps they expected Paul to be joyful because of the gift, but at, as the context clearly reveals, his joy was in the Lord. Paul was joyful in the Lord because of how God had provided for him in his needs. So that was verse 10. As we come to verse 11, we learn a little bit about the topic of contentment. It says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation that I am to be content. Paul was content with the resources that God put in front of him. This is a thing that is very challenging to our United States capitalistic society that teaches that we should always be striving for greater and bigger things. But Paul Uh, was actually content with the things that he had. The first reason that Paul did not necessarily need the gift at this time was that uh, his own contentment. We would live a lot easier if we were more content like this. But Paul uh, definitely expresses that the Philippians had given him gifts at time. In verse 12, the New American Commentary heading is adaptability. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So Paul is telling his audience that he has had to adapt with the things that have been given to him. He has lived in abundance and he has lived in need. He's lived in times where he's been extremely hungry. He's been living in times where he's had more resources than he he will even probably explain 
that he is gifted with. He doesn't necessarily need the abundant resources, he's saying. Paul learned to be adaptable through his circumstances. Paul teaches how he was able to adapt to being brought low and then back to abounding. Paul had has previously learned how to survive while he's hungry and he adapted to his abundant needs. So if you understand this verse, it's very, very important to get this down, that Paul is talking about money and finances and resource that God is putting before him. And then we get to the scripture, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is our key Bible verse. Paul could accomplish all that God wanted through the strength that God provided. I want to read directly from the New American Commentary because I feel that it words it in such a way that I wouldn't be able to read it any better if I can find my place real quick here. It says, I'm just going to read. Uh, Some people abuse this verse by taking it out of context. They assume Paul was making a comprehensive statement about the spiritual abilities of a Christian. Some even act as if there was nothing they could do, or they could not do. Paul did not mean that. Two factors in the text reveal why. First, the passage discussed material and physical needs. In the day-to-day economic fluctuations, Paul knew a stability that enabled him to rise above them. The rule of context means that this must be applied to economic matters. Second, Paul expresses dependence on the power of the Lord. In this, he knew that where the Lord would lead him, he had power. The will of God limited the application of the strength he knew. Many who misapply this verse step out of God's will for their lives. They hope to cover their actions by a blanket of promise of power, but power comes in the will of God. Thus, Paul expressed a crucial paradox. He was strong when he was weak. He was independent, self-sufficient, only when he was dependent. Although Paul realized the necessity of living in a Christian community, he also knew what it meant to face life's problems alone and still triumph through them. So Paul is teaching about his dependency in God. Whenever he had need, he put his trust in God. And then as he did that, as he put all of his his neediness into God, God provides for him and makes Paul enabled to do all things through him, which strengthens him. Paul is weak, he's explaining, but whenever he's weak, he's strong because whenever he's weak, he's brought low. He's forced to come to the point of Christ. He's he's forced to have to uh, depend on God. So Paul did not mean that we can just simply do whatever we want to and God's going to strengthen us. No. This is talking about putting our complete, utter dependence upon him, especially in the economic or uh, resourceful area of uh, areas of our lives. So as we look at the verses following after Philippians 4.13, we can still understand that this is talking about resources or money. Look what it says in verse 14. It says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. The Philippians recognized Paul's strategic place in the spreading of the gospel. So the gifts from Philippi meant that the church eagerly participated in the work of God and that their gifts were, in reality, contributions to spread the gospel to other Gentiles. The the Philippians willingly supported uh, Paul's ministry through uh, to God through Paul. He's saying, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. 
Paul's explaining, it was kind of you to financially and resourcefully provide for me. I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for you. The heading in the New American Commentary is blessing. Paul is, feels blessed that the Philippians would even share in this, in this type of way with him. In verse 15, it says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So the church at Philippi was the only one who participated in giving to Paul. Paul is commending them. He's, he's thanking them. He's, he's expressing his gratitude that they would help in the gospel ministry by giving and him receiving. Verse 16 says, Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once again. He explains as he left that they were consistent in their giving. They were they were uh, very, very eager in their giving. It was immediate whenever Paul needed these things. He explains, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So he's thanking them for their consistency, their faithfulness, their eagerness, their immediate sense of urgency to help him. Verse 17 says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul was seeking for the money, but not for personal gain, but rather for the fruit of people to be saved and to be edified in the body of Christ, to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to become deeper followers of Jesus. Paul is not uh, doing the prosperity gospel here, as many preachers nowadays are attempting to do. There's a heretical preacher named Kenneth Copeland that claims that God gave him a vision and in which he is supposed to claim a billion flow, quote-unquote. And within that billion flow, God will provide for him a private jet, so that way he doesn't have to wait on regular airplanes to fly across the country and reach people and talk to people. I want to tell you that is so bogus. That has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, Paul is not doing that type of thing. Paul is not claiming that he needs billions and billions of dollars to live in such a comforted and luxurious life so that way he's not brought low by other people in the world. He's already taught that he's content with the things that he has. The money that Paul is grateful for and the, Paul, the money that Paul was seeking for is, is money that would go for the furtherance of God's kingdom so that way he would be able to go on these missionary journeys. He would be able to go and tell others about Jesus Christ. He would be able to go and help church plants and, and go into all of the world. So it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing that people abuse, abuse God's word to uh, advance themselves financially. It actually aggravates me a lot. Verse 18 says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a, sac a, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So as Paul was asking for a gift and as this gift was given to him through Epaphroditus from the Philippians, this sacrifice that they made was a gift, it says in verse 18, that was pleasing to God. As people give to the Lord Jesus Christ through whatever means they're going to do, it's a gift that's pleasing to God. And Paul is telling them he's thankful for their gift. He's thankful for their resources. He's thankful that you've given them such a, uh, uh, provide for him in such a way. It's a gift that's pleasing 
to God. It's still talking about money. Remember, this is all to focus us back to Philippians 4.13. It's talking about finances. It's talking about money. It's talking about how we can use our resources. Verse 19 says, And my, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul explains that just as his needs are met, so will God supply their needs. Notice it's needs and not wants. It's needs and not wants. Verse 20, he says, let me see where I'm at. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So all of this context is completely teaching about how as our resources are given to us, we can become good stewards of those resources. We can become uh, good givers of our money whenever God has blessed us abundantly. And as as we hunger, as we have need, just as Paul did, God will provide for us. We can learn to be content whenever we are in hunger and we are in need. And uh, as verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have been given stewardships as Christians. We can handle our money in such a way that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. As I've already mentioned, this verse isn't talking about shooting a basketball into a goal. It's talking about money. I want to thank you for listening to the Context is Key podcast. For more information regarding the Context is Key podcast, feel free to follow me on Twitter at BroAustin7. You can also follow me on Instagram at McCormick, and feel free to keep up with us on our new Facebook page, Context is Key. To find our new Facebook page, simply type up Context is Key podcast on Facebook. Once again, thank you for listening to the Context is Key podcast. I hope you have a blessed week, and don't forget... Context is key.